Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, everybody, let's get back into it. Welcome back again. All right. First of all, I want to make a few comments about the last episode and just a couple of follow-up comments associated with it. First of all, I was listening to Alex Jones just the other day, which again would have been Monday afternoon, and I found it interesting because again, he had on a series of guests that were embalmers and other individuals again who have witnessed the blood clotting, of course, that's been going on within the jabbed really since the very start. The interesting part about this is that it's almost being reported yet again as if it's a brand new thing. I think that's the part of all of this that I really don't understand. I don't understand why this particular story and stories like it sort of hit this carousel and then it just goes around and around and around. And again, I mean, this is a, you know, this is a, a three-year-old story. I, I just don't understand again why it's, it's worked its way back around again in order for people, I guess, in order to, for them to realize what's really happening or pay attention to it for the very first time if they never have before. I'm I'm not sure, but either way, in the middle of his talk, he did make mention of this, which I, I found rather interesting. He made mention of, and he didn't say her name, but it was basically what Amazing Polly has been bringing up, that the individuals who claim to be in the know now regarding all of the jab taking and all of the death associated with it and the AIDS and everything else, that we need these people on our side, is essentially what he was saying. He was saying, again, like the Brett Weinsteins of the world, that it, it's okay that they were wrong in the past, and that doesn't matter. The fact that they are big enough people to admit that they were wrong, and then we welcome them in on our side for being correct, well, then, you know, we should have them on our side, essentially, is, is what he was saying. I disagree with this because they're still wrong, and that's the problem. It's not that a Weinstein of the world has decided that he wants to be on the right side of history. I mean, he's a little late to the party. And again, I suppose that that's fine, and he gets to be. But what he doesn't get to do is continue to push falsehoods. And this really is, again, the much larger problem. So I'm sure Alex Jones heard or listened to Amazing Polly's breakdown of all of that. And again, he probably didn't like it because he got called out too. Because again, they all cross-promote and they do what they do. Again, the bigger problem is, is that when these individuals claim to now have woken up, they're still saying things that are not accurate. In fact, you probably recall again that 12-minute that video that I played at the beginning of the last episode with Ron DeSantis and, and Latipo and those other individuals, Weinstein and then, you know, two other guys. Um, I want to read this to you because I think this is rather important, but this is actually from Dr. Mike Yeadon regarding that very video. He put out a particular comment uh, and a number of comments regarding that video, and I, I wanted to read this because I, I tend to agree with him. Here's what he said. He said the following, quote, I'm truly sorry to have to write this very depressing. This piece maintains the falsehood that there's been a pandemic. I can't believe the conversationalists are unaware of Professor Dennis Rancourt's epidemiological analysis showing no pandemic, no public health emergency. The entire event is a deception. 
this piece fails to puncture the frightening global virus deception, and you may make up your own mind what the motivators are of those failing to do so. Quote unquote, early treatment as a concept is fine for any illness, but here it's used to reinforce the falsehood of a new disease. Obviously, there was no need for any intervention into society. The fake pandemic, which this piece convies to sustain, or continues to sustain, I think he meant to say, um, had injury and destruction to society, the economy, and to individuals as its goals. He continued, he said, no lockdowns or masks, no business closures or border restrictions, no digital monitoring of vaccine passports, quote-unquote, were ever needed. Nor were they ever appropriate for two reasons. First, technically, they don't work in any way, even if the underlying narrative was truth, and it isn't. Second, he said, who are these people who have taken it upon themselves to tell you what level of risk you're willing to accept in exchange for a free existence? Think, the purpose of the fear and restrictions running up to the absurd, absurd pretense of expediting a vaccine, quote-unquote, in 11 months was to plunge a needle into every arm. I've spent over 30 years in pharmaceutical R&D, working with design teams to install by design particular features, seeking effectiveness, and avoiding safety risks. I'm also a formally trained mechanistic toxicologist. So I think you should believe me when I tell you that these superfluous injections were designed explicitly and intentionally to injure, kill, and reduce fertility in survivors. He goes on and says, this isn't a guess or a hunch. I'm absolutely certain of it. I swear on my life. I have filed technically detailed legal affidavits to this effect. It's a serious offense to deliberately lie in giving evidence to a properly constituted courtroom. Think, the purpose of the fakery and truly dreadful military-grade propaganda and fear-provoking psyops, quote-unquote, was ultimately to get to this intense totalitarian digital control over every one of us, to coerce, force you to accept intentionally toxic materials. I wish I didn't think this, but I believe the utterly fake pandemic was not the full attack we've yet to face. You might see it as a part one of many attacks on humanity with the West initially being the prime target. I don't think the perpetuators had any intention to take over and have the gloves taken off at that early time. Resistance was probably calculated to be too great. He goes on and says, but once you've read my post here and checked me out, you don't think they've given up, do you? It says, in one important respect, I'm on the same page as Brett Weinstein and Alex Jones. The unknown they, quote-unquote, those who I collectively call the perpetuators, fully intended to permanently deprive us of our liberty and to kill very large numbers of innocent people. There's no reason for them, quote-unquote, to do this. All the propaganda about a climate change crisis, the mock overpopulation crisis, and direct lying about escalating pandemic risks are all contributory elements 
to prompt you in your quieter moments to perhaps think these evil people might have a point. These lies, too, have been created by the same multi-generational perpetrators. I have receipts. Nobody needs to be committing a long, planned global mass murder program in order to save the survivors. To conclude, the discussants, in my opinion, are knowingly misleading you into believing several known lies. Number one, he says the, that pandemics of severe acute respiratory illness happen and are at all times an extremely serious population-level threat to a carefree existence. This is a falsehood. Number two, that these acute respiratory illnesses are contagious, and so countermeasures, quote-unquote, applied by the state or even by, uh, let's see, supranational bodies who have absolutely no authority over our lives are essential. This is a falsehood. Number three, that even with some side effects, these gene-based injections have merit in the elderly or chronically ill people. This is a falsehood. Number four, it is not much what these people say as what they leave out. It's unsafe to assume that just because a person said something that I know is true does not mean I can trust everything else they say. This method of deception is particularly despicable in my opinion. Do not automatically believe or trust anyone, not even me. Please do not place people on pedestals. We don't need leaders to ensure some of our children and grandchildren survive this, to bear witness, and to truly create something new from the wreckage of our civilization. And then he wraps up here and he says the following, Best wishes, Mike. P.S. I greatly dislike personal attacks. So please know that I've written this message regardless of who was writing knowingly false statements. If called upon to do so, I would happily record a conversation with Dr. Weinstein. Unquote. Again, he's right. And I've always liked Dr. Mike Eden. Again, you know, the man came to my defense, and I didn't need anybody to come to my defense, but he came to my defense once on Telegram, uh, and it was, you know, very kind of him to do that. Uh, even so, he's learning at a faster pace. And as he said in his statement, I'm not sure why these individuals are leaving out critical information. And again, I, I think this is something that Polly's going to dive into deeper, and she's already alluded to it, which is that these individuals are all tied together in the supplement game. That ultimately, again, whether it be supplements and the selling of supplements or the selling of a, of a so-called cure, that these individuals are basically a giant club and they want to get ahead of anything so that if there is some kind of a cure to this, then they can be the ones who profit from it first and, and foremost. I think that's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting that, that individuals, again, would leave out massive truths to perpetuate lies in the interest of profiting both in the short term and the long term. For one reason or another. It's beyond gross. But I like Mike Eden. He's, he's right on this. There's no doubt about it. And again, you heard it for yourself. You could hear these individuals again basically go around and around in circles saying things that, uh, again, are not true. I mean, Ron DeSantis openly lied when he said that they didn't have mandates in Florida. That's not true. Every workplace had them. 
almost every workplace. Yeah, they didn't force them if you were a school teacher. But based on the stories that I've told you, dating back again to the old days of the flu shot when I was a school teacher, I mean, they would send administrators to your classroom door to ask you if you've, if you've gone and had your county wellness check that the entire school district was putting out and that, you know, you would get an extra 25 or $50 in your paycheck every month if you did it. And if you didn't, then they were going to steal that money from you. I mean, that was an actual thing that happened when I was a school teacher. And I was the only person in the building to not play along. And then unfortunately, I played along and I got sick as a result of playing along. And I've never played along since. So again, it goes way past coercion. I mean, it's, it's beyond coercion. There, there were mandates, and there certainly are within the medical, the medical field specifically. I mean, again, hospitals, nursing homes, you name it. If, if you were working in those environments and you didn't take the shot, you were threatened with the loss of your job. But again, Ron DeSantis was acting like that wasn't a thing. And then as Mike Eden said again, not to repeat it too much, but he's right. There, there is no pandemic. It doesn't work that way. Again, to, to take it a step further, I've asked myself this question too. And again, it's in the exact same vein as, you know, who controls these individuals and why is it that they're not all getting on the same page at the same time about the same messages? You know, I've asked myself, why is it that the likes of, say, a Dr. Mackis or even, you know, a Dr. McCullough, haven't had conversations with a Dr. Thomas Cowan, a Dr. Kaufman, or even uh, Dr. Brian Artis. Again, these individuals know that viruses aren't real. They're aware of this. They've read the history. They fully understand that there's no standalone thing that's floating around in the air that you, you breathe in or somebody coughs on you and then you breathe it in and then you get ill. It doesn't work that way. But more specifically with Brian Artis and all of his work regarding the central nervous system and understanding that this is synthesized snake venom, why is it that those individuals aren't talking about this? It seems rather important. And again, you've heard me bring this up too. I, I'm, I'm more in his camp. I, I believe that. That makes more sense. Certainly from a physiological standpoint, there's no doubt about it. This is why you have individuals coughing constantly. And again, like I've said too, school board meetings of all places are the places where you can hear these individuals coughing constantly. And there's only a small handful of, of uh, school board meetings that I pay attention to on a month-in and month-out basis just you know, to gain some reflection and, and, and basically keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on within American schools. But you can hear them coughing constantly. That's a central nervous system disorder. That's a disruption in their central nervous system because your respiratory system is controlled by your central nervous system. It's not the other way around. The lungs do not operate on their own. I mean, they, they run because your central nervous system is alive and, and working. And if that's disrupted in any way, well, yeah, your respiratory system is going to get screwed up. Which again is why these people are probably going to the doctor for respiratory problems, quote unquote, and yet the wrong body system continues to be to be treated. And they're throwing all of these antibiotics at a person's respiratory system, not understanding that they're treating the wrong system. 
They have to treat the brain and the spinal cord. And again, do the, does your average doctor or urgent care doctor or even hospital doctor understand the use of natokinase or fenbendazole or ivermectin and the combination of all of those things with you know zinc and magnesium and a thousand other things? The answer is no, they don't. So the, you know, again, it's just it's a money making machine. <laughs> I mean, these people who are jabbed are ill and consistently going to the doctor now more than ever before, which is why everybody's insurance is increasing and has been. So again, perpetuating these lies for the purposes of making money, it doesn't, in, in my opinion, it doesn't make them any better than the people actually pushing the shots and the mask wearing. And that's, of course, still happening. That's still a thing. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's alarming. It's very alarming. And these people have got to change their ways and start communicating because, again, you know, you bring in the YouTube element. I mean, that right there should prove it. These people have massive YouTube channels, even still. And I'm trying to figure that out. Why is that? It's, it, is it because they're, they're playing ignorant for some reason? They're just willfully acting like they don't have it all figured out, but they're trying to figure it out, you know, trying to figure it out and, uh, Trying to figure it out is, is somehow profitable for both them and YouTube. I mean, I don't get it. You know, again, not to make it about me, but based on YouTube's algorithm, I, I'm, pretty sh I'm pretty certain that if you say the term Jew often enough, you're going to get kicked off of YouTube. That's pretty much what does it. You drop enough J-bombs before you know it, uh, you know, your, your episodes get canceled and then a channel gets nuked. They're not saying that, of course. As we all know, it's all the globalists and controllists and this, that, and the other. I mean, it's, I don't know, it, it's beyond exhausting, but, but that right there again is, this is a big problem, is my overall point. I agree with Mike Eden, it's a big problem and it's not going to go away. We just have to keep calling these people out. And as far as Alex Jones is concerned, no, I don't have to play stupid and go along with what these individuals are saying when what they're saying isn't true. Again, these were people who fell for it at first. Well, there's a lot of us out here who never fell for it. So I don't have to dumb myself down just to give them an opportunity to, to talk or you know, listen to them. I'm not going to do that. They're the ones who have to raise their intelligentsia as much as possible. And they've got to start figuring this out. Because if they're going to have, again, the audience and the voice and the clicks and the numbers and the size that they that they have, they would do well to start telling the truth and understand that it's out there and we know what it is. So, and we're always trying to find it. Also, I mean, the learning doesn't stop here. So there you go. Okay. Now speaking of J bombs, let me mention this real quick. Uh, this this was something that bounced over my way certainly on some of the boards that I pay attention to, and I'm glad that I came across this, and I'm glad I watched it. It's very interesting. Um, you're probably familiar with a man by the name of Robert Seffer, if I'm saying his name correctly. And Sicily actually turned me on to this guy. I had seen a couple of his videos before, but I never really dove deep into his catalog. He, of course, has a YouTube channel, and I'm shocked he still has a YouTube channel. Either way, uh, he's written, I think, three books, if I'm not mistaken. 
And I came across a video of his that is titled Occult Forces. Now, this particular video is not your standard video. As it turns out, this video, which he put on his YouTube channel four years ago, is actually a French film. And it's a French film that was produced, written, and directed by a former Freemason. And it has subtitles at the bottom. It's less than an hour long. It's actually less than 50 minutes long. And uh, as it turns out, unfortunately, the former Freemason who made the film was murdered at the conclusion of making the film. So the film, I believe, wasn't released immediately, but ultimately was released. And there you go. Either way, I'm going to link that in the description below, and I highly recommend you watch it. And basically what it's about is it's about, it's a story about a politician who again stands up in the French parliament and he says all of the right things and he calls out the corruption and he calls out the money lenders and he calls all of this out and again people wanting to go to war and a number of other things and how it's not in the interest of the French and so on and so on. He's basically a very stand-up, morally sound individual. And then he's approached uh, by a Mason, because as it turns out, most of the people in the French parliament are, are Masons. And then he's recruited by them. And then I'm just going to leave it at that, and I encourage you to watch it. Uh, but again, it, t it takes you through a great deal of Masonry and the, the, the strings that they control and the way that they operate and the things that they do. And uh, yeah, but it's very well done. Robert himself, like I said, reads the subtitles for you as you're watching it. But uh, I, again, I will link that in the description below, and I, and I recommend checking that out. Okay. I do have other jab-related things to bring up, but I'm going to save that toward the end, including a very long story, a true story, that was written by a guy who lost his brother recently. And frankly, I think it's something that would relate to a great deal of people. So stick around for that here toward the end. Um, let me see here. Okay, I'm just taking a look at my show notes real quick. First of all, let me mention this, actually. This is interesting. A couple of geopolitical things and sort of tying up a few loose ends, so to speak, regarding some past things that I've brought up. This, this is making the rounds. I find this fascinating. This is on a website titled 9to5mac.com. It is titled specifically this story. The five reasons people give for returning the Vision Pro. So the Apple Vision Pro isn't having the impact that Apple apparently wanted it to have. Shocking. It's almost like we knew that. Here's what it says. It says Friday was the day when the 14-day return period expired for those who bought their spatial computer on day one. The Apple is reportedly taking a keen interest in reasons people give for returning the Vision Pro. By the way, the reasons that they are returning them are the exact same reasons as to why we've never landed on the moon, and why all of that space travel nonsense is a complete and utter lie. Because again, visual distortion combined with uh, a lack of balance on solid ground throws off your inner ear and messes with all balance, thereby making all of that nonsense and all that fake space nonsense completely fake. I mean, it's just a complete and utter lie. This continues to, to be a backdoor way of proving that 
if, again, people are capable of connecting those dots. But either way, it goes on here. It says, a new report over the weekend didn't answer the question on everyone's minds, just what percentage of Vision Pro buyers have returned their devices. It says, but did shed some light on the reasons for the returns. It says that Bloomberg's Mark Gurman did try to get a sense of return levels, but for a product sold in very low numbers by any given store, the feedback wasn't too enlightening. It says, quote, Apple isn't commenting on the Vision Pro's return rate, but data from sources at retail stores suggest that it's likely somewhere between average and above average compared with other products, depending on the location. Some smaller stores are seeing one or two returns per day, but larger locations have seen as many as eight takebacks in a single day. As many as over, rather, eight takebacks in a single day. It goes on here, and it says, What he did learn is that Apple is keen to understand the reasons for the returns. When customers return the Vision Pros, retail staffers quiz them on what went wrong. Employees have also been instructed to report to a manager after each return so that any concerns can be passed back to headquarters in Cupertino, California. Gutman also spoke to more than a dozen people who returned their units, and while that's a very small sample, he said that many of them cited one or more of the same five reasons. Here we go. Number one, the device is simply too heavy, too cumbersome to manage, headache-inducing, and uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean that, that's that's pretty much it then, isn't it? Isn't that pretty much the end of the device? I mean that's the whole point. I th I thought that the whole point was to put it on your face and walk around with it. And now they're they're going, yeah, this is pretty stupid. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It actually took people spending three and a half thousand dollars to figure out that this was retarded. Oh, great. The second thing. I don't know if I can get through this list without laughing my ass off. The second one, it says the current lack of applications in video content doesn't justify the price. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have all the things that, say, your cell phone has. It doesn't have all the things that your computer has, and now you're sad about that. <laughs> Amazing. Number three, the work features don't make people more productive than just using a normal external monitor with a Mac, and they're difficult to use for long periods. No kidding. No kidding. You know, I haven't, I haven't shared this, uh, but I'm sure most people know. One of the ways that, that I text people, and again, if, if you've ever sent me a text message or I've sent you a text message, there's, there's an interesting little thing that takes place is basically I can figure out whether or not a person owns or is texting from or calling from an Android device, specifically regarding texting. Because if you're, if you're texting me from an Android device, the only way that I can text you back is with my cell phone. I can't text you back with any other Apple device that I own. But most of the text messages that I send out are actually over my computer. So again, this is one of those, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like the, the headset. I mean, it's the same cumbersome thing as, as owning one of those headsets. If you can't text certain people because they have different kinds of phones, then it renders the device useless. So, I don't know. 
It's just one of those odd things. But either way, the excuses continue here, or certainly the reasons why they return them. Uh, they said the following. They say, the displays have too much glare, the field of view is too narrow, and the device causes eye strain and vision problems. <laughs> Again, I love this. I love it. This is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. What Apple has just figured out, or you know, they're not going to admit it, of course, but what they've what they've just done is they've taken, like I said in those previous episodes where I brought this up, they've taken an old, failed method, and they've simply thrown their logo on it. The half-eaten apple with a bite out of it, it says Apple on it, it says Vision Pro. They get all the videos out there of people using them. Uh, they get all of the internal video that shows what it, what it looks like if a person were to use it. They put their commercials out on TV for people to see it. And then the suckers go and they buy it. And then the entire thing caves in. Again, it's lipstick on a pig. The pig's bad. No one likes the pig. They haven't liked it for decades. And this is just Apple's turn at failing at that same project. I love it. The last point was this. It says the product can make users feel isolated from family and friends. Meaningful shared experiences don't yet exist, and the Vision Pro can't easily be passed around to others because of the need for a precise fit. Unquote. Yeah. Yeah. It's not real, because it's not life. <laughs> you were given a brain and eyeballs by God. And now what's happening? You have Satanists creating these things, trying to keep you away from your God-given ability to think, react, look, hear, and they're trying to become their God. Again, it's the Internet of Things. It's the transhumanist agenda. It's failing. It's failing. This is a very good thing. This is excellent. Again, it's, it's always been a failure. I mean, the, the, the whole VR headset thing has always failed. But this is failing big time. It says one factor he suggests may be contributing to disappointment is the very carefully curated demo experience Apple provides in store. Some stores are seeing as many as 10 to 15% of those trying the headset, then buying one, only to find that the everyday experience wasn't as exciting as the demo. Now, what does that sound like? What does that sound like that I've brought up on the show in the past? Doesn't that sound like the VR headset that was in the arcade back when we were kids? And it would sit there and it would be expensive and people would look at it. They would even watch other people use it. But they wouldn't use it themselves. And then if they did use it, they only used it one time. Because it was useless. And it was stupid. And they would rather go play Pac-Man or Street Fighter. They were more interested in that than they were strapping some stupid thing on your face and, and walking around a virtual world. Again, I love it. I love that this is failing. It's beautiful. It says, I'm reminded of a scene in the legal drama Boston Legal where partner Shirley Smith calls an associate into her office for a review and begins by telling her, you're a very good lawyer, quote unquote. The associate smiles and thanks her, 
before Schmidt continues, but not good enough, we're letting you go, unquote. It says, for some, it seems Vision Pro really impresses them, but not enough to put up with the discomfort or the price tag, unquote. Yeah. Yep. That didn't take long. <laughs> it, really, it really didn't take long to completely and utterly fail. I love it. I love it. Take that, transhumanists. Take that, Jewish agenda. No thank you. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Okay. Moving on. There was this, too. Again, revisiting an old story here, but this was back uh, from the beginning of this month. Take it with a grain of salt. Again, this whole thing continues to be shady regarding Tim Ballard and the whole Sound of Freedom stuff and the Operation Underground Railroad. But this is from EastIdahoNews.com. It says, Operation Underground Railroad announces new leadership after Tim Ballard ouster. Uh, let's see. It has a new six-member board of directors in the latest restructuring of the anti-trafficking nonprofit following a series of allegations of sexual misconduct by founder and former CEO Tim Ballard. It says the new board consists of mem members with nonprofit entrepreneurial and law enforcement experience, including one longtime friend of Ballard who was ousted from the organization he founded following an independent investigation last year. It's a rather lengthy article here. I'm not going to read it, but yeah, things not going well for Tim Ballard. Again, that whole thing was shady. Again, I'm, I'm not entirely sure who's right, who's wrong, and what's going on, but I do recall there being a story not that long ago, again, that, that crossed my path that had to do with a woman who was suing him for basically not helping anybody. So again, I'm not entirely sure where everybody sits on that particular issue, but I, I think the jury is in that it was a giant psyop, that getting people into the movie theater to, again, pro basically produce more money for an up-and-coming studio, which, let's face it, Angel Studios is a propaganda movie production company. I mean, Diedrich Bonhoeffer and Helen Mirren playing Golda Meir and so on and so on. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's not good. So either way, Tim Ballard was here and then he was gone, just like that. And no one cares. Okay. Uh, let me see here. One more thing. This was rather interesting. Uh, just the other day, this is from the Washington Examiner, Capital One announces $35.3 billion deal to acquire Discover Financial Services. Now, I've got a couple of takes on this, and again, I'm not an economist. I'm certain that Dr. Robin McCutcheon has a bunch to say regarding this. Not to mention, uh, you know, basically when, when something like this happens and a larger credit card company, or we, we should say debt company, basically overtakes another, that's because the other debt company wasn't getting enough people in debt and enough people weren't using their product. So again, Discover Card isn't offered everywhere. Not everybody uses it. And for those that don't even have the card, in particular, I should say the businesses that, that don't even offer it. Uh, if a person is walking around with a Discover Card, then they can't use it. They simply say, yeah, we don't take Discover. And again, if a business has it, and no one has a Discover card, then, they, then the business themselves, of course, is paying more to have Discover as one of their card options. 
So everybody's basically losing money, if not going into debt to some extent. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing when one of these larger credit card companies dissolves another. Um, that's a good thing to a great extent because, again, that's less money lending, which is a good thing. That's less people going in debt. That's less individuals wanting to play this debt game. And it's more people, like, like I said, getting out of debt, which is always a good thing. So we'll see what happens with this in the future. I, th I think there still has to be a stock agreement to some extent. Uh, it says the acquisition would combine two of the largest credit card users in the country. Uh, it says the deal would give shareholders of Discover a 1.0192 shares of Capital One for each share they own for a premium of 26.6% determined by Discover's Friday, clo Friday closing price of $110.49, according to the companies. After the acquisition is completed, Capital One shareholders would own 60% of the combined company and Discover shareholders would own 40% of the company. So basically, everybody who has a Discover card is now going to get a Capital One card. That's, that, that's my take. There's just going to be a Capital One card that shows up with your same Discover card number on it, probably. And uh, there you go. So we'll see. Okay, here we go. On to education stuff. This came across my feed on YouTube, and I recognized the name of the town, and I recognized the school immediately, as a matter of fact. This specifically has to do with Brockton High School, Brockton, B-R-O-C-K-T-O-N, in Brockton, Massachusetts. And one of the reasons that this rang a bell in my head is because the city of Brockton uh, really was one of the larger hubs of heroin use and oxycodone and oxycotton pill distribution, specifically among its youth, a number of years ago. It's probably safe to say that that hasn't improved, but back again during the early 2000s, when, of course, the whole Iraq war thing was taking place and everybody was protecting the, uh, the Afghan poppy fields and all of that, back home here, we were, of course, experiencing a massive influx regarding the pharmaceutical industry and, again, Oxycontin and even heroin use. So that wasn't an accident. Uh, thanks for nothing, 9-11. Either way, on top of all of that, this particular story has less to do with that, although I'm sure it's connected to some extent, but it specifically has more to do with constant violence that is occurring within the school. And again, we can assume that there's a drug connection associated with this, but what the school district is wanting now is there are a number of individuals, specifically school committee members, are requesting that the National Guard show up to protect the students within the school, and also to protect the staff members, and at the exact same time, try to bring back some kind of law and order to the actual school district. Now, this is where <laughs> I, I have to smile, because this right here is, is again, this is going to show you, and I'm going to play some audio here, so stick around, but this right here is proving how deep the brainwashing goes. 
Let's look at this again from a managerial standpoint. You're a school district and you can't manage anything. You're not expelling students, clearly. Restorative practices isn't working. Your, your precious restorative practices no longer works. And now you're actually requesting, potentially, or suggesting that the National Guard show up to stand on the inside of your building to help you do the job that you can't do, that you're paid to do. You see the problem with that? It's amazing. And here's what's even worse. The parents. I mean, good Lord. You talk about brainwashing. These parents are so brainwashed that they continue to send their children into this environment, even with this being a suggestion. These people have no idea that if their child is old enough to read and write that they can teach themselves. They are so brainwashed into being connected into the actual public school system that they literally don't see any other way of doing it. So much so that bringing in the National Guard sounds logical to many of them. Now, there's a five-minute clip here that I want to play. And this, as I'm recording, this was from just a day ago. But again, this is from their local ABC Channel 5 affiliate, uh, WCVB. It's titled, School Committee Members Discuss Unusual Request for National Guard at Brockton High. So I'm going to start playing this. Again, they have basically a little news conference outside of the school building itself. You'll hear a number of different people talk. So give this a listen here in three, two, one. Letter was sent. So a letter actually was drafted. We started more than a couple of weeks ago and we held off on it. Um, we got to the point where we're seeking help. So a letter was drafted. Many of you have seen it and it was sent to our mayor, our delegation, our city council, um, asking them for some support and to reach out to the governor for some, for some support. So the letter was sent out on Friday. Our mayor did reply that he received the letter within a half hour of receiving it. And um, he did forward the letter to Governor Healy. And I mean, that's all I have to say is our letter was drafted, sent out, and we're just looking for a little bit of support within Brockton Public Schools. So I'm gonna turn this over to Mr. Rodriguez. Thank you, uh, Tony Rodriguez, Ward 4 School Committee member. Um, as my colleague stated, we did send a letter out to the mayor requesting support from the governor, um, requesting the National Guard be deployed uh, to the city of Brockton to give us support. This isn't something that is negative. Um, the National Guard does bring positivity. We use them to deploy COVID vaccinations um, with the deficit that created this mess. We're looking for support with the National Guard to come in and act as substitute teachers, hall monitors to make sure that the high school is safe. And it's not just the high school, it also includes our middle schools and elementary schools, and it's across the district. Um, Brockton is not the only community that is dealing with student violence. It's across the Commonwealth. We've seen Framingham dealing with the same issue, but I hope the governor um, does meet with us and we'll make that request. Um, I know some people don't support it, but if you support safety in our schools, you will support the National Guard to come in here and keep our students safe. 
and I could leave it to my other colleagues to uh, make any other statements. I'm bouncing in just real quick. COVID vaccinations. Remember, we can trust the National Guard because they delivered those and that was a good thing. They do lots of good stuff, like COVID vaccinations. Do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see this? Are you hearing this? This is the problem. This is it. I mean, if you were to, if you were to, if you were to use, I love this audio. I mean, I love it. I don't because it's sad, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. If, if you were to take a, take a needle and just pinprick the actual problem, I mean, the problem, not problems, plural, but a actual singular problem in the world. Play this audio clip for anyone and say, this is the problem. All wrapped into one. This is basically every education and medical issue that I've brought up on the show, all smashed into one particular, <laughs> into one audio clip. This is it. This is it. These people are so lost that they're openly admitting that they can't do their own job. And now they're asking big government to come in and help them, along with the trusted National Guard to be substitute teachers. You've got to be kidding. Again, the education business is collapsing. This is another example of the proof of that collapse. They actually believe that this is a sound solution. Again, oh, I would pay. In fact, I wouldn't pay. I'd make them pay me to spend five minutes with them. Honest to God. And they would say, okay, you have five minutes. How much do you want us to pay you? And I'd say five grand. I'm gonna, I, I want you to pay me $1,000 for a minute of my time. Here we go. And I would give them five minutes of why they are the problem and the lies they believe and how they can turn that area around in the blink of an eye. And one of the ways you do it, of course, is you start making examples of students. Oh, the two of you fought? Well, you're never coming back. Goodbye. And then, of course, I would educate them on homeschooling. Now, as we know, the public school system doesn't want to talk about homeschooling. Why? Because that's the fastest way to bankrupt them. They're never going to bring that up. In fact, they've always brought up homeschooling as a punishment. They always bring up homeschooling like it's a bad thing. Well, now you're just going to have to educate yourself. And now you're just going to have to learn on your own and, you know, not wake up at six in the morning and, uh, you know, be surrounded by peace and quiet while you're reading a book in the comfort of your own home. That's your punishment. And they talk down to people like it's an actual punishment. It's actually a reward. You mean I don't have to come back here? Thank you. Thanks. I'm going to get on YouTube and just type in the word homeschool in the search box of YouTube and see what pops up. And maybe I'll start learning. And then I'll go into an actual homeschool curriculum and look that up and see what that's about. These people are gone. They're so deep in the matrix. I'm telling you, it's all the different cords and rods and, and pins that are in these people. They just have no idea. 
begging government to come and solve the problem that they're paid to solve. That's a special kind of stupid. So let's continue with it, shall we? Here we go. Hi, my name is Anna Oliver, Ward 3 School Committee. I know there's a lot of negative um, comments regarding the you know, National Guard coming out here, but we're not asking them to deploy a whole army to our school. We're asking for support, especially with the teacher shortage throughout Commonwealth of Massachusetts. But not only that, I also want to highlight that we have some great students in Brockton. We, they are doing excellent work. They're coming in, getting their education. They're, you know, following the policy, the authority with the educators. But we do have some that are continue to not do what they're supposed to be doing, and that's what we need help with. Good morning. Uh, my name is Claudia Gomes, Ward 2 School Committee. Uh, one thing that I wanted to quickly uh, touch base is to let everybody know that I know that the first thought that comes to mind when you hear National Guard is uniform and arms. Uh, and that's not the case. There are people like us, they're educated, they're trained, and we just need their assistance right now. There's, uh, we need more staff to support our staff and help the students, you know, learn, have a safe environment. So that's the case for us. Uh, we need the hands and they have it, so why not provide their assistance? That's all I have to say. Thank you. Uh, just, just to close off, um, we don't we don't want to make this a lot of question and answers um, because we act as a whole body, and this is four members that are taking the leadership role to making sure that our schools are safe. Um, it starts at the top, and um, our uh, chair has failed to. Um, bring us together and unite us so that we can come with a concrete plan to make sure that the schools are safe and making sure our staff is safe as well. You can see that a few weeks ago that when we called the meeting, there was the four of us that gave the, the staff the space to speak about what is really going on in our district. And that was just a, a light on the high school and not what's going on in the middle schools or in our elementary schools as well. So we took it upon ourselves to show that we are just not leaders when we convene as a group or outside of those meetings, and that's why we call for this. But I do employ the governor, and I hope every city official that is watching in the community that we do need to take our schools back into control and making sure that our students have a safe learning environment because what's going on at the high school is disheartening and kids are losing precious learning time when kids are causing chaos. Thank you, and I'll have a good evening. How much funding was cut? Uh, another thing, too. Myself, I don't, not speaking for the members, we do need to look at Chapter 222 and repeal that because it's not working. It's across the district, and I employ the community and the residents that are watching that Chapter 222 needs to go because this is what it's causing for our district. Thank you very much. I can't get enough of this. I just can't. I'm sitting back here as a guy who's written plenty of books on school violence, uh, plenty of books on the whole bioweapon thing. You know, he here I am just sitting back watching this cave in, and I have to tell you, it's just incredible. It's it's beyond fascinating to me. I, uh, I, I, I'm almost at a loss, almost. But I'll, I'll find the words, I promise. In fact, instead of me talking, I decided to bounce over to the Brockton Public School District board meeting from last month that was uh, recently referenced, 
where again, teachers apparently voice their opinions as to what's actually going on in the building. Now, again, it is violence related, but there's no mention of it being white students. In fact, most of the people who are interviewed and being interviewed are either Mexicans or blacks. So, interesting. But either way, I'm not saying whites don't get in fights, and I'm not saying there's not race-related conflict that exists within schools. There clearly is. But either way, let me play some audio here from the Brockton Channel. Again, this is the Brockton Special School Committee meeting on the 31st of last month. And again, I think right out of the gate, the teachers come right up to the lectern and they start talking. And I got to tell you, uh, they talk for at least an hour. It looks like at least the first hour, it's nothing but educators talking and complaining about their experiences and what's going on. So let me play some of that right now. And here we go in three, two, one. Uh, as you know, a lot of you that have been here before, we do have a three minute uh, minimum, uh, maximum to speak. Uh, you go to the podium, you speak. It is being filmed again for BCA. And then Mrs. Campbell will let you know when the three minutes lapse. We have quite a few people, um, so we, we don't want to shortchange anybody. You do have three minutes. Uh, the first individual that signed in is Stacy McDonald, which is the BES PH president. Uh, Ms. McDonald, please. Good evening, Mayor Sullivan, uh, school committee, and Dr. Cobbs. I'm Stacey McDonald, the union president for the Brockton Educational Support Professional Association, BESPA. I'd like to share some quotes with you from my high school members as it relates to the daily safety and security issues at BHS that are overwhelmingly shocking and deplorable. Quote, I walked into the girls' bathroom. They were all smoking. I asked them to put it out. They did. Then five minutes later, they're doing it again. Same individuals called down. I reported it. Nothing was done. Sexual activity in the stairwell reported it. I doubt anything is done. Never is. Walking into my classroom in the fine arts building, looked out the window, saw our students letting three kids in the Azure door. Called down, reported it. Nothing done. Students being sent to the dean's office, coming back 10, 15 minutes later. Nothing done. I was told to F off and mind my business numerous times. This is how all staff is spoken to. Knocked to the ground as the students were running to video a fight. These are the words that I've heard echoed over and over. Nothing is done. I sit here and I listen to these school committee meetings. And I am happy that we can report that there are some great things going on. But that cannot overshadow or draw attention away from the ever-growing safety and security concerns that show no sign of wavering. Today is the second school committee meeting that was scheduled to discuss these issues. Clearly, our concerns were ignored in November. You all decided to focus on other stuff without resolving this one. There are still students sitting in the stairwells instead of classrooms, kicking on classroom doors, vandalizing every place they can, inciting and condoning fighting, assaulting each other for notoriety, smoking, vaping, and dealing drugs at Brockton High. Open your eyes. Stop beating around the bush and act immediately. We don't have time anymore. And ignoring our pleas is failing our students at PHS. In closing, one more thing. On January 16th, this school committee, four of you voted 
do not go into executive sessions. I'd like to remind you and all of you in the audience, the executive session was including, was including a bargaining item for the safety and security at BHS. That faded decision two weeks ago, you continue to ignore our pleas. You could care less. All you're worried about is what's going on with who's who and who's going to be vice chair. Stop pointing fingers and put aside your personal differences. It's time to do your job. Put policies in place. Stand firm behind those policies and support all staff at Brockton High. Enough is enough. Kimberly Gibson, BEA president, please. Ms. Gibson. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just, I love this. I love it, and I'm going to keep playing it. This right here proves exactly what Thomas Jefferson used to say back in the day, even before the Revolutionary War. You can't educate everyone, and that's okay. That's okay. Not everybody is educatable. That's fine. That means they don't need to be there. But again, this is a complete and utter breakdown of everything. Again, that, that was a a teacher union president right there. So they're not representing the administration. They're complaining about the administration, which means what do you have? You have an administrative problem. You have a policy problem. Yes, you have clearly a drug and alcohol sex problem among your students, uh, you know, an inability to recognize why they're really there. And it's basically just daycare for teenagers. Again, a lot of this, you know, a lot of this goes without saying, but even earlier uh, during that press conference, they openly admitted a teacher shortage. Now, we know the endless reasons why there's a teacher shortage, and I don't think I have to get into that again, but that's clearly a massive element, and this is part of it. But even so, I, I, I'm, I'm almost at a loss. I just, I, I find this fascinating. This is the complete, I mean, this is, this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is the Jewish lobby. This is exactly what they have in mind. It's exactly what they have in mind because what are they going to do? Again, a lot of people would say, well, I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to swoop in with their own solution? That's, that's the problem. There is no solution for the ultimate chaos that they want to create. Again, Sun Tzu said it. These people are so evil that they will rule over their own ashes. They'll burn everything down and then want to rule over the ashes. That's exactly what's happening here. It's been written about for centuries. This is not new. They're destroying their own schools with their own Jewish, communist, Bolshevistic policies, getting rid of the best, keeping the worst, and here is the result. It's, it's perfect. It's exactly what they have lined up. It's exactly, it's exactly how they designed this. They know exactly what they're doing. The Jewish lobby knows exactly what they're doing, and this is it. They created communism, for God's sakes. This is it. I love it. I'm going to keep going with these people. I'm just going to keep playing it. Again, I know it's an hour long, and I could play it for the entire hour, uh, and I'm not going to do that. But either way, I love it. These, these union people begging uh, individuals in government to help them. 
It's astounding to me. I find this just fascinating. So here's the very next person who comes up to the lectern. Good evening. I stand before you as I did on November 14th to address the safety concerns at Brockton High School. As you know, last week a student was taken by ambulance due to a fight in the cafeteria. In addition to that incident, we had two other serious and unacceptable incidents involving students going into classrooms with the purpose of finding a specific student to assault. During other incidents this school year, BEA members have been injured, breaking up fights between students. Students cutting classes, wandering the building is still a huge growing issue that has not been addressed properly. Having no consequences for this and other unacceptable behavior is part of the overall issue. On November 14th, I talked about the failed cell phone policy that is yet to be enforced or fully implemented. How can you institute a policy and not enforce it? That's not a policy. It's just words on a page that mean nothing. And your failure to enforce the policy undermining all staff at Barton High School and trying to regain order and accountability. The cell phones are creating a plethora of issues. Students are posting lucrative videos recorded during the school day, showcasing violent and disturbing behavior without any concern for consequences since there aren't any. They include fighting, playing ding-dong ditch, by kicking closed classroom doors, interrupting the learning in those classrooms, hanging out in the stairwells, some cases vaping marijuana, openly harassing staff and students, walking by, trying to incite others to do the same. Those are just to name a few. Now bickering about the vice chair position, I hear from my members all the time, what a waste of time this is in taking precedent over your job as a school committee. As it is, you don't even have a policy subcommittee meeting scheduled for two weeks. You are failing our students in our community by engaging in personal vendettas on a public stage, which is the last thing Brockton Public Schools needs. You will hear from high school teachers tonight who have felt unheard and unsupported. They continue to show up to work in an environment that is mentally and physically draining. Would you go to work to be verbally abused every day? Would you sit by while a colleague gets pushed by a student? Would you want to worry about being attacked in your own classroom? Because that's where we are now. Or be that teacher who felt helpless when she could not protect that child. You do not have enough bodies at your high school to cover every stairwell. This is a budgetary issue. You need to develop a strategic plan to target behaviors with enforceable documented consequences meant to deter the behavior from continuing. Why not? I'll keep doing it. Nothing happens to me. Teachers have reported individual students with over 80 class cuts already. What is being done? Last year, drastic measures were taken to curtail negative student behavior that impacted the entire student body. We're right back where we were. This is not just a high school problem. It's a city problem. The FY23 budget deficit is overshadowing everything. We still have many concerns about FY24 and worry about FY25. I am asking you on behalf of all BEA members at the high school to listen to their stories that the BEA members are going to bring forward to you tonight. This is their reality, and they and Brockton High School students are facing every day. As a Brockton High graduate and the BEA president, it frustrates and disheartens me to hear these stories and to hear that my members feel like nothing is being done to address the issues. I want you to know that the BEA stands ready to work with Dr. Cobbs, Principal McCaskill, to fix these issues and all of you to get the high school back to where it once was and still can be. Your time is One up. of the best high schools in the entire country. But don't, you won't get there without your help. Thank you. Thank you. The next person is Dee Jones, please. Good evening to everyone in their respective positions. My name is Dee Jones and I'm an educator within the Broughton Public School System. Today I'm coming before you as a parent of a student of East Middle School. On Friday, December 1st, 2023, my son experienced something he has never, he should have never had to experience. 
from a trusted adult at his school. A teacher came into his classroom and used the N-word, not once, but twice. I censored it for you today on purpose. Unfortunately, my child and his classmates, they didn't get the same respect that I'm giving you today and their children. Her specific words directed to the substitute in the room first were, I took a phone from one of your students because they were using it in the, in the hallway and they called me the N-word, again censored. A student from the class said, please don't use that word because it's offensive. She then approached the student in her face and said, and I quote, maybe you need to be offended. Then she turned to the class and directed her next comment to a class of tw 12 to 15 students by saying, do I look like an N to you? Censored. I refuse to believe that in the day, this day and age, in a culturally diverse community such as this one, that a teacher is allowed to throw out a racial slur and our only consequence was a two-month paid vacation. Imagine my surprise when I found out that not only was she not fired, but she's allowed to come back to her same position. I came to this meeting today to have my voice heard and to get some answers since Dr. Cobb has refused to accept my phone calls. I think his words were something like, I won't speak to her because it's a personal matter. Well, as a black male, why doesn't this offend you the way it's offended me? Why aren't you just as angry and disappointed as I am? What ethical practices does our district have in place when something like this happens? Because right now, the only steps is a paid vacation. Why is she here? Why are our students' feelings not being validated? What were her consequences? Shame on the district, and most importantly, shame on anyone who played a role in making this decision. Lastly, I want to finish by saying thank you for taking the time and emphasize that our students deserve better than how this was handled. I will always be my child's biggest advocate, but today I come before you to stand in the gap for all the children that were violated that day. I'm here on their behalf because they matter to me. What needs to happen before they matter to you? Lydia Bloodsworth, please. Lydia Bloodsworth. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Lydia Bloodsworth, and I am a senior at Rockton High. My biggest concern as a senior should be my plans after graduation, not how my two younger sisters in the school system will be affected by the lack of direction of the Brockton Public Schools. We are all here because we're concerned specifically about safety at Brockton High School, and we should be. There are fights practically every day. Students and teachers are suffering bodily harm, which I included in an email to every member of the school committee in late October after witnessing blood being mopped up in the Azure Corps. The security guards who are supposed to be monitoring the hallways lack training and professional standards. While they're aware of problems like students skipping class and smoking, only a few do anything about it. I watch a number of the security guards turn down the volume on their walkies while they socialize with students during the day, often with headphones on or phones in their hands. My teachers often have to step out of class at least twice during each period to stop teens without passes, etc. So how am I supposed to thrive in an environment where my teachers are doing the security guards job while trying to teach me an AP course at the same time? I'm a student in the Green Building, which now shares its space with a completely different school. Since September, our deans and other buildings leaders have been dissolved and become, I believe they're called, um, ambassadors of climate and culture. Uh, no student I know understands this hierarchy or who, will turn, or who to turn to for help. Our, be, our building has no leadership. We were never informed who our leadership was, and most of us have had to search for a guidance counselor in an, another building. 
My new guidance counselor was swamped enough before green students were added to her roster, and she barely knows me, and I need her help for college. Oh, and I haven't had an adjustment counselor since freshman year, at least not one that I was ever aware of or that reached out to me, so clearly emotional well-being and mental health isn't much of a priority at BHS either. I will say, though, that the only place in the building I feel safe is the Yellow Library, the only library out of four in the building still standing, leaving one librarian for the entire school in one room that has a 30-person capacity. Most days, there are only one or two bathrooms available for each sex to use at BHS. That's 3,900 students and only about four bathrooms open a day. We were told that administration locks the bathrooms to ensure our safety and cut down on vaping. All that has done is bring vaping into the open in the hallways, stairwells, between lockers that haven't already been torn down and made it really uncomfortable, if not unsanitary, for the rest of us. During January 16th meeting, it was said that VHS's cafeterias were practically empty and that the number of teachers absent with the were less than, I believe, four. Any student or VHS faculty member could tell you this is nowhere near true, as every day we all receive an email with a list of absent teachers who do or do not have substitutes. After going through just about every email between September and December, there were an average of 20 teachers absent without a substitute per day, and in January, that number is still 10 or more, meaning that with Desi's reported 15 to 1 student-teacher ratio in 2023, that is still at least 150 kids in cafeterias every day at any given time, not including those kids that skip class, are already in a study, etc. And I'm confident that that ratio has changed since pink and blue slips were handed out. When I began writing this on the 24th, I got a pass to go to the bathroom and instead went to each cafeteria period one without being stopped for wandering once. I'm sorry, your time is up. Thank you. A Larry Merican, please. A Larry Merican. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for coming out for us and supporting us at Brockton High. We really, truly, from the heart, appreciate it. Um, two immediate to-dos on your list. Please give teachers back their keys. They're having sex and doing drugs and cutting class in empty classrooms. And we can't lock our own classrooms. They're stealing laptops, okay? And they are vandalizing. I've had colleagues have all their family pictures thrown all around the ground, smashed up, and totally destroyed. We need our keys back. Now, like, you could do that tonight for us. So you want a to-do? There's a to-do. The other thing is, there are plenty of adjunct staff. Have them sub for us and take 30 kids out of circulation, especially during testing. Okay, we just got through access, access testing where it looked like South Station at rush hour in the hallways the entire day. Okay, so there's another concrete suggestion. And now I'm going to just give you a little taste of how it feels. What if I asked you to balance two st tall stacks of cups and saucers in each hand with boiling hot tea in each cup? I am sure that if I taught you and you focused and practiced over time, you would be able to do this with some level of accomplishment. However, if I put you on a ship that was in the North Atlantic in the middle of a chaotic storm, even with concentration and effort, you would spill the water, break the dishes, and end up burning yourself and others. 
There are 3,000 students along with your building staff, and that's not just teachers, that's the cafeteria workers, that's everybody I am including here. They are coming in each day and attempting to balance those stacks of cups intently. BHS is that ship. The 300 to 700 are the source of all of our turbulence. They are creating waves and the climate that we are experiencing. There is not one person not one in that building who is not adversely affected every single day by the utter chaos that it has become at Brockton High School's in-building experience. Teaching and learning on a stormy ocean liner is not possible because nobody has a sense of security or safety at their foundation. We need a calm sea for everyone to do business of education. We are a school after all. Thank you. Mark, Mark Richardson, please. Mark Richardson. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Mark Richardson, and I've been a proud Brockton public school teacher since 1995. I am currently in my 28th year teaching kids at Brockton. In my first year, I was a long-term substitute teacher at West Middle School. One of my teachers, cluster teachers that year was retiring, and he told me whatever I did, I should make sure I, quote, get out of Brockton, unquote. For the past 28 years, I've told that story to colleagues, parents, and students, but the punchline has always been that I've been grateful to not have taken his advice. I tell my students all the time, you want an education in part to get a job that never feels like you're going to work. 28 years, that's been true for me. I have loved my job, North Middle, for 22 years. BHS for the past six. My students have always been one of the best parts of my life. Therefore, what I'm about to say gives me no pleasure. We have a major crisis at the high school. And I think, first of all, we must have policies with clear consequences that are enforceable. This is currently not the case. In particular, we need a cell phone policy. What we have now is rampant cell phone usage that serves no academic purpose whatsoever. Cell phones are responsible for much of the chaos at the high school. Unless a student is in a high academic level course, they want little to do little except to be on their phone during class. In addition, as soon as there's a fight, instead of helping, students impede adults' ability to break it up by taking out their phones, recording the fight, sending it all over the buildings. They also use their phones to text information about upcoming fights, spread rumors about others, and engage in bullying and harassing behavior. If you take action on anything you hear tonight, please ban the use of cell phones at Brockton High School for the students. My second point is more general in nature. My colleagues and I strongly feel that the level of disrespect from students at the high school is an all-time high. Just today, when I told a student he was not a Yellow House student and therefore could not be in the cafeteria, he screamed at me, who are you to tell me what to do? This was a 14-year-old freshman followed by a stream of profanity that I obviously will not repeat here. The sad thing is this happens every day at the high school. Who among you wants to be subjected to that kind of verbal abuse on a daily basis? In addition, many of us, myself included, put our safety on the line each day when breaking up fights. We do this because we believe in protecting our students. But now we worry that we could be subject to legal action by doing so. No teacher I know wants to watch a child get beaten up, so we get involved but we need to know that someone has our backs when we do so. We've been told that it's about three to 400 students who are disrupting Brockton High School. Please find a safe alternative for them 
so they can get the help they need, that we can continue to educate the 3,000 plus who come to Brockton High for that purpose. If you act on these issues, I can be, in a few years, the retiring teacher who can say to teachers just starting out, stay in Brockton. It's a good place to teach. Thank you. All right, I got to stop it, because if I don't, I'm just going to play the rest of it. But here's what I'll do. I'll link it in the description below if you're interested in watching the rest of it. Again, that's about 21 minutes in when that guy finishes, 21 minutes and uh, 26 seconds. And then again, more people come up to the lectern for the next 40-some-odd minutes. So, okay, let's go through a couple of things here. First of all, the brainwashing is astounding. It really is next level. Um, the, the black female teacher and her story, clearly that's, that's terrible. But again, this is what happens when you have people who don't enforce what needs to be enforced. And this is what happens when you have a teacher shortage for a variety of reasons. Again, the milk's gone bad. Uh, the well is dry. No one wants to be a school teacher anymore. No one with a straight head on their shoulders anyway. That, that's, that's one of the major issues. There are no teacher education programs anymore teaching them to manage these particular situations, let alone teach a factual subject factually. That's not happening either. But this is an impossible environment. It's absolutely impossible. Uh, let, let's see. The student after her. That student is, again, full-blown brainwashed. What am I going to tell my younger siblings who have to go to this school district and blah, blah, blah? They don't have to go to that school district at all. Abeka.com exists in your, in your state also. It's an at-home, home curriculum that will provide you a better resume item than Brockton High School. Again, this is one of the things that I know that I've mentioned before, but people think that it's superficial and it doesn't matter. It actually does, to some extent. If you have a degenerate school engaging in copious amounts of illegality and you attend or work at that school, it looks bad on your resume, whether you be a staff member, an adult, or an actual student graduating from said environment. It looks awful. People will say, oh my God, you graduated from Brockton, Massachusetts? All they have to do is look up the school district on YouTube now, and what are they going to come across? They're going to come across this. That's not a good thing. They're going to say, this person doesn't have any education. Next resume, please. And they'll throw it in the trash. No different with, again, the, uh, the Oxford, Michigan environment, where there was a school shooting. What that shows is a complete cave-in regarding the minds of the people who work in the environment. And yes, if a student attends those environments and something terrible happens, unfortunately for the student, whether they know it or not, it reflects poorly on them too. Even if they are the so-called innocent party in the whole thing, it doesn't matter. Guilt by association is a very real thing. But that student, again, fully brainwashed. How am I supposed to get an education? They actually asked that question. How am I supposed to learn? How are my younger siblings supposed to learn? Do you not know? <laughs> Apparently they don't. Do you see the divide here? This is the matrix. It's the matrix. It's, the, it's a perfect example. I just, I, I, I find this beyond fascinating.
I've always found this fascinating. This again is a case study in the existence of the matrix and the brainwashing. They're begging for their terrible environment to not be terrible anymore after all of the horrible decisions and lies that they have believed this entire time. Then, of course, you had Metaphor Lady, the school teacher with all the metaphors. We're on a sinking ship and this and that and the other. Okay, good metaphors, way to go. And then again, the teacher at the end referencing the cell phone policy. See, I told you, didn't I? Didn't I say it? I said the implementation of cell phones in schools occurred when I was a school teacher. And I could give you again almost the exact year. I want to say it was 2013. No, sorry. Yes, I think it was. I think it was 2013. That's when I was a school teacher now. So 2013 was, was the year when cell phones were allowed in the high school and in the school district where I was working because discipline numbers were so high from students using them anyway when they weren't supposed to that they took the, if we can't beat them, we'll join them approach. So how's that working out for everybody? <laughs> you see what's going on here? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like, well, a couple of kids just decided to shoot a couple of kids and, you know, they, they just keep shooting them. So we're going to allow all guns to be used by students and uh, what could possibly go wrong? They had no policies in place to enforce the illegality that cell phones bring with it when their use in a school building is ubiquitous. They didn't, I mean, they leaped before they looked. And all you hear on a constant basis in these school districts all across the nation is splat, 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 splat. All these people just leaping before they look with these, with these ridiculous decisions that they're making. And then, of course, they're, they're backing up on all of them. Not to mention what Metaphor Lady said about not having keys to your own classroom to lock your own classroom. I mean, holy Lord. Students having sex in their, in their math class while the math teacher is on lunch break. <laughs> I mean, honest to God, it's prison. It's prison. And it's not just Brockton City Schools in Brockton, Massachusetts. No, no, no. This is lots of places. It's lots of places. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to kick this up one more notch. I said it in the last episode regarding the Penn State University professor who wanted to have sex with a tractor. Okay, running around the woods and looking for a stray dog. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't overstate this enough. And I'm going to keep saying it because it's going to become more and more abundant. I promise you. This is a jab related prion disease thing. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt about it. Yes, of course, you take the lies that these people believe and the lies that they implement on such a constant day in and day out, year in and year out basis. When you combine all of those lies with the control of the Jewish lobby over top of American education, watering down all of their policies and discipline procedures, and can't we all just get along in climate change, like that student said. Climate change? I, I mean, what am I going to do? some climate club or whatever the hell. You can't fix that 
And then when you introduce a biological weapon where one of the major side effects is the mental decline of a human being who takes it, including insanity, and them again just losing their mind, what do you expect to have happen? It is, and this is, the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. This is it. This is it. Listen to the tones of their voices. Listen to the things that they're saying. They sound like mental patients who just came out of a mental institution. Because metaphorically, and now literally, it is that. I find this beyond fascinating. I uh, I don't know. I gotta write a substack about this. I think that goes without saying. This is this is incredible. This is incredible. This I mean I want to keep playing it. I really do. I've got a few things to get to, you know, just a couple more things. But uh, again, if you want to go over and watch it and watch the rest of it, the last 40 minutes of that, I promise that, uh, that I will link it in the description below. Again, it starts at, if you're, if you're done listening to, to the audio that I've played, it starts at the 21 minute and 26 second mark. So again, you can, you can click on that and watch the rest. I'm going to watch the rest on my own time, but uh, my God, you can't fix this. You can't fix it. And again, the National Guard. Give me a break. We want the National Guard to come here because, uh, you know, seeing people in fatigues is going to change everything. No, it won't. No, it won't. Those National Guardsmen will be kicked, punched, have things thrown at them. And then what, what's the National Guardsman going to do? Then what? No one's thinking. No one's thinking here. I love it. You reap what you sow as far as I'm concerned. They have it coming. It's their own damn fault. Okay, moving on here. This is from notthebee.com. So it's not a satire story. It's actually real. And again, this is more evidence of the collapse. It is titled, An elementary school principal was placed on administrative leave after she used finger guns to pretend to be a shooter in an unapproved active shooter drill. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. I just can't do this. I can't. I can't. You can't tell me it's not prion disease. You can't tell me that these people are thinking people. I mean, you just can't say that they are. Let's get into it here. It says, so what happens when a Californian elementary school principal uses finger guns to play I'm a mass murderer, quote-unquote, at school during an active shooter drill? It turns out they also get suspended or placed on administrative leave, quote-unquote, as they call it, when you're the principal and not a child. It says that at least that's what happened to George Washington School's principal, Nina Denson, after she decided to be an active shooter during an active shooter drill. She proceeded to walk around campus and pretend to shoot people she saw using finger movements and banging on windows, said Jennifer Chavitz, a parent, where they also said, quote, from what I heard, she said, she said to one of the students, boom, you're dead, unquote. 
some of the students uh, dense and traumatized were as young as four years old. <laughs> wow. Well done. Quote, oh, he was really upset, Chavez said of her son, who was in the first grade. The one shocking, surprising thing he said as a six-year-old was, I'm just really glad none of my friends died, unquote. <laughs> Good Lord. Though according to reports after the drill, Denson announced over the intercom that she had killed seven students with her imaginary finger bullets. Quote, you can imagine the trauma these children potentially could go through just thinking, oh my God, my friend was killed or I shot, I was shot and told I died, said Anna Bustamante, a parent. Uh, quote, at the young age that these children are, it was very upsetting. Jim Simmons, superintendent of the San Gabriel Unified School District, said this type of drill where a scenario was run is not approved by the district nor part of our district protocol. An email sent to parents from the, from the district reaffirmed that statement. The conduct of the drill does not appear to have been in line with the district protocols or best practices. An investigation is underway and the district has appointed an interim principal until the investigation is complete. I have to imagine this whole fiasco would have been over before it started if the schools would stop suspending kids playing cops and robbers out on the playground. And that's the end of the story. Okay. Uh, it's so exhausting, isn't it? I mean, you can't bring that person back to that building anyway. No one will take them seriously. They'll be the laughing stock, but there's a shortage. There's an administrative shortage because remember, not only do people not want to be administrators anymore, except for, of course, well, I'm not going to say that, but there's certainly a certain kind of administrator that exists these days, and I'm certain that some of them are still good. Although, let's, let's face it, probably most at this point are not. But even so, the prion disease. I mean, good lord. No common sense. Uh, apparently, that's one of the things, as we know, that the shot is uh, eliminating, is just complete and utter common sense. Absolutely incredible. Okay. Jab stuff. Who wants to hear Tedros? Here's what Tedros said recently regarding the jabs. And uh, he made these comments at the World Government Summit. It's on the lectern, even in a foreign language, Arabic or whatever the hell that is, along with, uh, well, that, that was, of course, this year. But there you go, World Government Summit. Again, keep in mind, they would like you to believe that uh, world government is not a thing, but clearly this summit proves otherwise, doesn't it? Uh, give this a listen. This is a minute and 50 seconds long. Every word he says is a lie. Not surprising, but they have plans, ladies and gentlemen. We, uh, we, we, we would do well to, to not go along with those plans. So here's Tedros in 3-2-1. Let me be clear. WHO did not impose anything on anyone during the COVID-19 pandemic. Not lockdowns, not mask mandates, not vaccine mandates. We don't have the power to do that. We don't want it, and we're not trying to get it. Our job is to support governments with evidence-based guidance, advice, 
and when needed supplies to help them protect their people. But the decisions are theirs, and so is the pandemic agreement. It has been written by countries or countries and will be implemented in countries in accordance with their own national laws. In fact, WHO will not even by a party, will not even be a party to the agreement. The parties are governments and governments alone. Far from ceding sovereignty, agreement actually affirms national sovereignty and national responsibility in its foundational and foundational principles. Indeed, the agreement is itself an exercise of sovereignty. It's about the commitments countries are making to keep themselves and each other safer from pandemics. And it recognizes that they can only do that by working with each other. He's a psychopath, ladies and gentlemen. He's a psychopath, and he needs to go. If you get my drift, he needs to go. The gaslighting is next level, and he knows exactly what he's saying, and he's saying it on purpose because he's attempting to gaslight people. He's trying to get us to believe that he and those people around him, and we know who they are, are not responsible for what took place in our own country, as he says this at the World Government Summit. I mean, he's not saying this in a local restaurant. It just so happens to be at a World Government Summit. So he thinks that, what, we should raise our complaints with local people? And then he, of course, says that the local people need to listen to him and what they suggest occur. And that we all then need to work together in order to fight off something that doesn't exist. Ladies and gentlemen, it's coming. They're going to do this again. They've said it time and time again. They're ramping it up now. It's another election year. It's the same old playbook just again. If anybody complies, you're an idiot. You're a complete fool. You want to leave your business and let government shut down your business? And I'll tell you something else. This is, this is an avenue here that is really going to get tested here this next time. If they do something like this again, which let's face it, they're going to, the police response is going to be the interesting marker in all of this, I think. Because there was already conflict, plenty of it, between law enforcement and I'm using that term loosely because they aren't, but more specifically regarding business owners. Again, remember, law enforcement was busting into businesses, locking doors, chaining up doors, arresting owners of businesses, uh, patrons, etc., etc. This was happening with regularity the last time around. So what's going to happen this time around? Are more people going to stand up for those businesses? and stand up against law enforcement? This is the Civil War. This is it. They're manufacturing this division, which, let's face it, is blamed on, more specifically, the difference between 
those who believe the lie and those who know that it's a lie. That's it. That's the civil war. If you believe a lie, then you're going to engage in all of the physical action that goes along with believing a lie, like taking orders from your boss and being told to go over to that gym over there where those people are working out and exercising and make sure that they're all wearing masks. And if they aren't, then they all need to leave. In fact, just tell them all to leave anyway because there's a a new pandemic, quote unquote. And then, of course, you have the other people who are wide awake, who know that anything that comes down the pipeline is 100% fake. Again, what are they going to do about it? Are they going to arm themselves and go about their daily lives? Are they going to wait for a police officer to assault them or approach them? And then, you know, someone gets a little loose with a trigger finger, and before you know it, Cops and innocent people are dead. So you have the brainwashed killing the, killing the awake, and you have the awake killing the brainwashed. This, this is it. This is the confusion. This is the mass confusion that they are creating, which is the real civil war. Again, frankly, it's really no different than the real civil war back in the 1860s. Same kind of thing. You had the North, you had the South, you had the South wanting independence. They didn't want to be associated with the bankers of the North, even though, let's face it, in the long term, they probably would have adopted their own Jewish-run banking system. But either way, then, of course, what was the public told? They were said, you know, they were all told, well, it's about, it's about becoming one nation and it's about uh, abolishing slavery and so on and so forth, when really that had nothing to do with it. But in the middle of all of that fighting, No one stood up and said, wait a minute. I mean, the soldiers didn't look at each other and say, wait, wait, we're all being killed, aren't we? We're killing one another. You're an American, I'm an American, and here we are slaughtering each other. Over what? And then they turn and they look at their generals and they say, what are you all doing? And they were all following orders. And then you look up at the politicians and you say, well, what are you all doing? Well, they're taking orders from the bankers and the moneylenders. And the further up the chain you go, there's your enemy. Your enemy is the last person you arrive at. So this right here, though, again, it's it's no different from a brainwashing standpoint because people were misled into all of that. They They were again told, here's why we're fighting, here's the purpose, here's what we're doing. Now, grab your gun and grab your brother and grab your best friend and your neighbor and let's go get them. And then before you know it, you have a large section of the entire American population being slaughtered by the other half of the American population. Not a good thing. None of this was good. Wasn't good in the past. Won't be good in the future either. But people have to see past the brainwashing. So, I don't know. This is going to get hairy. I mean, it's February. It's starting to warm up a little bit. It's going to keep getting warmer, and the warmer it gets, uh, the more people get out there, and they start doing stuff. And this is something we're going to have to keep an eye on. There's no doubt about that. But all based on a lie. And it's all going to be some new manufactured disease, as they say. So 
There you go. Okay. This was out of Canada. Last quick story before I have a, a long story to, to share here, which is a bit heartbreaking, but I'll end with, with the story. But first, this was from thepeoplesvoice.tv. Canada begins euthanizing vaccine-injured citizens. Again, swooping into profit on the death of the very thing that they implemented in the first place. You can't say it's not the Jewish moneylenders on this one, or I should say even the money suppliers, among other terms. They're Satanists. That's exactly what's going on here. And of course, they're making money off. That's, you know, that's the whole point. They're making money off of looking at a person and saying, do you want to die because of your ailments? And the person says yes, and they say, okay, sign here. And they sign, and in the fine print, it says that the hospital gets a certain kickback for killing one of their one of their fellow citizens. You can't say it's not Satan. You can't say it's not, again, the people who are possessed who are going along with all of this. Absolutely amazing. Okay. Here's the story I referenced at the top of the show, and I'm going to end with it. Bear with me. Uh, this was on greatawakening.win. I read it, and I thought, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to read this. I'm going to end the show with this one, and, uh, and I will catch you on Friday. Again, I can assume this is a true story. No reason it wouldn't be. It's rather detailed, and um, it's heartbreaking. And I think a lot of people can empathize with this and sympathize with this because, again, it has to do with the relationship between two brothers during this entire time and during this war and what has gone on. So here we go. It was titled, You Were Right All Along. It says the following, quote, I'm going to make this as quick as I can. My brother just died last month. We grew up together with incredible God-fearing parents. Faith in God was never a point of contention between us. We drifted apart as adult siblings, as adult siblings often do. It says, but we never were on bad terms. When we were growing up, we were known for above-average intelligence. We attended a Christian school and had the privilege of not being hit with the new wokeness in the schools. We both got to go to college on full-ride scholarships. I was still in college when COVID hit in Georgia. My brother, of course, there was no COVID, but you get what I'm saying. Okay, in Georgia, they said. My brother had graduated the year prior in Arizona. When the lockdowns hit, we started to become close again. When the vaccines were first released, he made the local news by being one of the first to proudly get the shot and encourage others to do the same. I encouraged him the entire time. And then things changed. Only days after he got the shot, he started to become distant. In 2021, he hardly spoke to me at all. He was finally forced to talk to me when our family, when our father rather, died of a heart attack back home in Michigan. And we had to deal with that together. Our mother had already died some years back, so we had no immediate family left. And again, we started talking regularly. This time, I was the problem. My brother was 100% behind Q. He regretted taking the vaccine. It was the Moderna one. 
and called it the worst mistake of his life. I told him he was crazy and tried to convince him the trauma of losing our father had destroyed his ability to think clearly. He asked if I was still on God's side, and I said I was, but in retrospect, I think deep inside I knew I had been pushing God away. He would try to tell me about declassification, and in all fairness, he wasn't very good at explaining FISA warrants, and I'm not sure how well he truly understood any of it. He was a mathematician and probably undiagnosed autistic, so he struggled to explain what he really thought. I cut him out of my life entirely at some point. I don't even remember why. Every time we would speak, he would, he would beg me to store supplies and prepare for the worst. I blocked him on all social media and even blocked his number. Late last year, he sent me a letter in the mail informing me he was having heart complications, which, which because of our father's heart problems, I attributed to unhealthy life choices and genetics. I unblocked him, and despite his condition, he showed no fear and instead immediately asked me if I had prepared for the worst. I lied and told him I, I had, just so he wouldn't worry. When I went to see him last year, just before the holidays, I found out how wrong I was. Before he had health problems, he was working out every day and had built an in-home gym. The only food in his house, which he had designed and built himself, was whole foods and deep-frozen game meat and local beef. There wasn't a drop of alcohol in the whole house, and he had even quit vaping years before. He should have been so healthy, but he looked ten years older than he was and stumbled from room to room instead of walking normally. When he told me he knew, not guessed, not supposed, knew, that he had injured himself with the vaccine, I tried to convince him he was wrong. I was sure he was wrong, but I was just in complete denial. For additional context, I never did get the vaccine. I was in a rural town and was able to stick to myself well enough to feel I didn't need additional protection, quote-unquote. I was going to get it, but always found some reason to put it off. Whenever I realized that that voice of God himself was always directing me away from the vaccine, my spine shudders. Some part of me always knew that was the case. And they wrote, he died. When he was found, he was slumped over on the front porch and the UPS driver called 911. He had been dead for, for several hours, and the autopsy, which I had to outright demand because no one was going to do one, showed his body was filled with tumors. I later found that he had been to several doctors repeatedly, and while they had diagnosed his heart issues, they never once mentioned tumors. One of the tumors deep in his organs was the size of a golf ball. I'm still going through all of, the, all of his things and organizing his estate, which he left to me, but I will probably need to sell. His house was very different when, it, when I came back this month. He had unlocked every drawer, and the tables in the office, in his office rather, and kitchen were stacked with materials he had collected, and I'm sure he wanted me to see, including boxes and boxes of printouts from 8chan, books on learning Sanskrit, and some books that were specifically about Q. 
As far as I can tell, he didn't leave any letters specifically for me or for anyone else, though I suspect his lawyer wouldn't tell me if he had left something for someone else. Sorry for the long ramble. I'll cut to the chase. His house was on an old reclaimed farm he was attempting to rehabilitate. I don't know how successful he thought it was going to be because the land seems pretty hard to work. It's very rocky and there were stacks of rocks he pulled from the ground and piled up for removal everywhere. There had been a debilitated barn he had constructed a couple of rooms in with just two-by-fours and doorways. I don't know what was in there because I never entered in the last time I was there. But I do know, based on several prior conversations, that whatever was in that barn was very important to him. Well, the barn is gone. It was already burned down when I got back, despite being in photographs of the scene when his body was found. It was only 200 feet or so beyond the porch to the east. The rubble had been removed too, and I want answers. That's slightly beside the point. I'm writing this from his kitchen table which I guess is my kitchen table now. I'm heartbroken and confused and really just needed to get this off my chest. I was wrong, and he was right. And the proof is that he died. I will be departing for my home in Georgia in less than 48 hours and will be packing my things from my apartment and bringing them here. I have taken the piles of rocks that he had stacked and arranged them over the charred ground where the barn had been into a large queue, and will be planting a garden in the center as a memorial to him. Again, I will probably need to sell his house and land, but I'm going to make it completely clear that this is now sacred ground that only a patriot deserves to own. I made fun of you. I made fun of him. And now I'm alone with my problems and a philosophy degree I cannot figure out how to use, and memories of a brother and best friend I will never see again because of the damn vaccine. I owe you and I owed him an apology. I will never be duped again. I've seen the light, and once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Noah, if you can somehow read this, I am so sorry. Unquote. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.